Hey, Cracked fans. With the summer months just around the corner, we know all of you are beginning to think about how you can best maximize your chances to improve your game with the warm weather. Well, thankfully, we here at Cracked Rackets are so excited to tell all of you about the 254 Tennis Camp happening this summer at Baylor University. Now, over the course of three weeks in June, starting June 12th through the 16th and ending June 26th through the 30th, you'll have the opportunity to learn from from some of the best coaches in the business in an all-encompassing tennis experience. You'll have the opportunity to improve each and every part of your game, whether that be on the singles court, whether that be on the doubles court, through drilling, through point play, match play as well. You'll also, of course, receive a free t-shirt for participating in the camp, but also have the chance to see yourself broadcasted as our Crack Rackets team will be providing coverage of the final day each week at this 254 tennis camp. Again, you'll have the opportunity to learn from some of the best coaches in the business. I promise Coach Michael Woodson and the Baylor team going to make it an extraordinarily enjoyable time. How can you get signed up today? Well, you can learn more information by visiting the Baylor website by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp. Again, that's baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp to sign up today. Now, this camp open to any and all entrants, but limited only by age, number, grade level, and or gender. Again, you can learn more about this camp by going to baylor.edu slash athletics slash tennis camp today. Don't miss out, folks. Going to be three very exciting, fun weeks of tennis down at Baylor University. Be sure to sign up for the 254 Tennis Camp happening at Baylor today. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, June 7th on today's show. I set the scene for week one of the 2022 grass court season. We've got two WTA events, two ATP events on the calendar this week, and perhaps best of all for tennis fans, we're already going to see many of the top players in the world kick off their grass court seasons this week. On the men's side, that means getting to see Players like Daniil Medvedev, Stefano Tsitsipas returned to the court. Of course, Matteo Berrettini, who missed the 2022 French Open with an injury. He's competing this week as well. And certainly, if last year's Wimbledon finalist can refine his top form, even without the points, there's no reason to think he can't compete or put himself in a position to be in those final stages of this year's Wimbledon event. Of course, on the women's side, we see players like Arena Sabalenka, Belinda Benchi, Maria Sakkari and others kicking off their grass court season already. Why are these players doing that? Well, as we know, the grass court season is a sprint. About five weeks in total of grass court play for all of these players want to try and get as many matches in as possible to best acclimate oneself to the surface prior to the start of the year's third Grand Slam. Of course, this year's Wimbledon, unique in Wimbledon's history in that there will not be points offered at the event. Now, of course, that's due to the fact that we won't see any Russian players, any Belarusian players competing at the 2022 Wimbledon given the ongoing conflict between Russia, their unprovoked aggression towards Ukraine, Wimbledon making this decision to ban both Russian and Belarusian players from the event uh, in response. Of course, the ATP WTA stripping points away 
from the 2022 Wimbledon. That's a topic we have not discussed in depth yet on this podcast. I want to save that topic for when I have a guest and for when I am better prepared to speak on it. But certainly we see right away the implications of all of these players trying to accumulate as many points on their resume as possible. Things are wide open right now at the top of both the ATP and WTA standings. Now we know on the women's side, Iga Svantec is going to be world number one for quite a bit of time, but that race to be number two, three, four, five, be put yourself in the co- place for being competitive, being in competition to earn a spot in that final eight field at the year-end championships. Right now, just about everyone in the top 30 on the men's and women's side still in play to compete for a spot in that event. Certainly, given there are no points at Wimbledon, all of these warm-up events and every week of the tour provides that much more value, that much more opportunity to each of these players. And look, again, as tennis fans, are we going to complain about the fact that we get to see so many of the top players? in the world competing right away on these grass courts? I think the obvious answer to that question is absolutely not. As such, it's a loaded week of ATP and WTA tour level play. Of course, you've also got, I think, five challengers happening this week for us here in North America. Certainly that challenger happening in Orlando already today. We saw Rinky Hijikata 6-3-7-6 victory over NCAA singles champion Ben Shelton. That match right in the strike zone of all things we love here at Crack Rack. Certainly, we're going to see more matches like that. Players like J.J. Wolf, Alexander Kovacevic, so many others. Chris Eubanks back on court, former collegiate greats who are working their way up the ATP Pro rankings, all competing in Orlando as such. Have to discuss that tournament a bit on today's show. We've got a 125 event happening in Valencia on the women's side. Talk about that draw as well. The brilliant opportunity that 125k prevents to number three seed Jung Chin Wen, who of course is coming off of accumulating all sorts of momentum, the only player to take a set off of Iga Svantec at the 2022 French Open. As such, again, two WTA level women's events happening on grass courts, two ATP level events happening on grass courts, countless challengers, 125k's ITF events happening across the world. It's another fun week on the ATP and WTA tours. And again, on today's show, I want to highlight the main events, talk about what you all should be watching for as we kick off this 2022 grass court season. Of course, the reason I'm able to do that day in, day out here on this show is because of the support we get from all of you. And again, was so grateful and immensely flattered to see our numbers take the spike they did. Now, of course, more people in general are going to be locked in to the French Open than throughout the course of the majority of the tennis season. Those Grand Slams, of course, bringing in the casual fans we all love so dearly. Hopefully, some of you fans stick around here day in, day out as we at Crack Rackets try to provide all of you with the coverage we know you tennis fans deserve. There is so much happening. It's hard to keep track of everything. That's our job here at Crack Rackets. And again, so grateful that so many of you continue to tune in day in, day out, week in, week out. Share these podcasts with your friends. Interact with us on social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, of course. Because of that interaction, we're able to do things like bring to you all the 2022 SoCal Pro Circuit, which is six ITF events over the course of seven weeks happening in Southern California. Our coverage of the SoCal Pro Circuit continues this Saturday and Sunday. We'll have semifinal, final action front 
from the University of San Diego campus on our Cracked Rackets YouTube feed. Hopefully, all of you will be looking to tune into that action. Of course, it'll happen later in the day here on the East Coast. It'll be after much of the play in these European grass court events has concluded. If uh, have concluded, excuse me. If you're looking for some late night tennis, we'll be able to provide that for you again every Saturday and Sunday. Five of the next six weeks, we'll have coverage of that SoCal Pro Series. You can find it on our Cracked Rackets YouTube channel. Of course, last but certainly not least, got to give a massive shout out to our friends over at Tennis Point, the lifeblood of this mini break podcast feed, of course. If you need to update your own equipment, rackets, shoes, strings, clothing, you name it, they've got it. Best equipment at the best prices. I myself am in the market for a new tennis racket. Yes, that's right, folks. It's finally happening. I think I'm going to retire the Prince Graphite. Now, I'm not going to destroy it. I had a friend who, after any time he was going to switch rackets, which wasn't that frequently. It's not like he was doing this every week, every month. But if he knew a racket switch was coming, that final practice, he would just go Mach 7 on at least one of his sticks. Just a beautiful cracked rackets. I think I can call him out. I love you, Patrick Adams, and him destroying Babolats after because he had the oldest oldest of the pure aero drive models. And right before our senior year, his parents were like, hey, it's your final season. If you want to get a new racket, now's probably the time to do it while it still matters. So he did it. But the practice before he got the new rackets absolutely demolished his stick. It was the most impressive cracked racket I've seen to this date. One of those where the frame comes off the handle and it's just two pieces of racket. Again, it was a brilliant swing from Patrick. But the point being, I'm not going to do that to my Prince Graf. I'm going to frame it. It's going to be in our Crack Racket studio, and it will sit beautifully atop me as it has served me so well over the years. But I'm looking for a new racket. Not exactly sure what I'm looking for. Thankfully, I know I can trust my friends at Tennis Point to help guide me in the right direction, whether you want to go Yonix, Babolat, Wilson, Head. Maybe you're looking for a new pickleball racket as well. You name it, they've got it all on their website, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 to not only let them know we sent you there, but you can also get 15% off all sale items, free two-day shipping on all orders exceeding $75. Best of all, a free can of Wilson Extra Duty Tennis Balls. Again, we are immensely grateful for the support we've gotten from our friends at Tennis Point over the years. The least we can do, ask you to support them as well. Tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. As I mentioned yesterday, any of you listeners in the greater Texas area, and I know that's a big freaking area, Texas the Lone Star State. There are plenty of tennis camps in plenty of different regions of the state, but the one we know is guaranteed to provide you not only the experience you're looking for on the court, but the experience you're looking for off the court as well. Is the tennis camp happening over the next few weeks at Baylor University? Of course, if you have not heard already, our friends at Baylor running what they affectionately call their 254 tennis camps. Now, those tennis camps, a day and nighttime camp, it's all week long. And of course, you're not only going to have the fantastic opportunity to train at the -the state-of-the-art Baylor facilities, get to use not only their outdoor, indoor tennis courts, but get to use their training facility as well. They'll get you on the track, get you in the weight room in an appropriate fashion, and just give you the direction you're looking for as you look to continue to progress in your tennis game. Now, of course, this tennis camp's more designed for the younger players, those students 
teenagers looking for things to do with their time in the summer. Maybe you're just looking for a week on a college campus to figure out what that's like. Maybe as a parent, you're looking for a week away from your kids. God knows there's nothing better than a quiet house after nine months of school chaos. The 254 Baylor Tennis Camps are the place for you. And again, I know head coaches Michael Woodson uh, is going to be on top of things. The entire staff, Isaac, obviously Joey on the women's side, uh, George Goldoff, all the way through all of their coaching staff going to be dedicated to your kid, your student to ensure they have the best time possible. Again, it's not only the on-court activities, but the off-court activities as well. You're going to make lifelong friendships. Again, I spoke about this on yesterday's podcast. Won't share the same anecdote again, but there are multiple people I met at the various Nike tennis camps. I really only went to one, and there are multiple people from that camp I still speak with to this day. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And again, if you're a tennis fan, there's nothing better than being immersed in tennis all day and then getting to hang out with the people you're playing with afterwards as well. So check out the 254 tennis camps. You can learn more about them by clicking on our website, CrackedRackets.com, going to the Baylor tennis website as well. 254 tennis camps happening over the next few weeks. Don't miss out. Sign up today. With all of that said, set the scene. Talk about what's going on this week on the ATP and WTA tours. And let's start in the Netherlands. I'm not even going to try and embarrass myself by pronouncing Hertigen Bosch as I always butcher it each and every time. And look, I've tried to find the phonetic pronunciations and I've heard it pronounced so many different versions over the years that I'm just going to call it the events happening in Netherlands. And why is the Netherlands the place to be right now? It's because it's a joint ATP and WTA event. And if we're being honest, that just happens far too uh, infrequently. Outside of the Grand Slams, of course, it's always wonderful to have that opportunity to get to travel to an event to see both the men and women compete simultaneously. We get it at Indian Wells. We get it at Cincinnati. You know, it's offset, but I believe we get it in Madrid and Rome as well at the same time. You get to see the two court, uh, the two events happening simultaneously this week in the Netherlands. And, you know, I've looked at our metrics. Don't think we have the biggest following in the Netherlands. I know there's one, at least one out there who's listening and to you. Hello, uh, if you want to ever hang out at A.L. Gruskin, happy to make a trip out that way. But certainly that's the place for us to tune into this week. High-level men's and women's action. You just look at the highlight names competing this week on the women's side. You have an Arena Sabalenka as your top seed. Belinda Bencic, your number two seed. Rabakina as your three. Zidanzik has certainly lost some shine, but she's your number four seed. And dangerous players like in Ekaterina Alexandrova, the always consistent Elisa Mertens, the dangerous youngsters like Katie McNally and Anne Lee, a Diana Yastremska, you know, Lilia Jean-Jean, who's coming over after a miraculous French Open run as the wildcard Veronica Kudermatova. How can I not mention the French Open quarterfinalists? That's just the names on the women's side. Of course, you look on the men's side. You've also got players uh, competing in the draw this week, like a Daniil Medvedev, like a Felix Ogier Aliasim, a Taylor Fritz, who's your Indian Wells champion, Alex Diemenauer, Jensen Brooksby. Of course, you've got the Camille Mychaks, who was so outstanding in, Aust- uh, in Australia earlier this year. Young players like Emil Rusevori looking to continue to break through. Even a fun wild card in the always big hitting, big serving Tim Van Richuven, uh, who of course wins his first round match over qualifier Matthew Ebden. The point being, that's one location this week. On the ATP and WTA tours, you get all of those names. Sapolanka, Medvedev, Bencic, and you know FAA, so much more. And this is week one 
of the grass court season. With that in mind, let's talk about the results we've seen early on in the action that's unfolded, and we'll start on the women's side in Netherlands. Look, Arena Sabalenka is going to lose semifinal points from last year's Wimbledon. You look for Sabalenka, your top seed again here uh, this week. She earns a 6-4, 6-1 victory in her first-round match over Katarina Kozlova. Alex Sabalenka served fairly well in her opening match, played fairly solid tennis. Now, again, it was a little bit streaky at the start, but you look for Sabalenka ultimately found her rhythm in that second set. And, you know, again, for Sabalenka overall in the match, lands 64% of her first serves. Now, she only played 24 second serve points. She double fault, you know, she missed 11 of her 24 second serves. So, she misses 11 of her 24 second serves, meaning she only played 13 of the points. She was 11 of 13 on the second serve points where she actually landed the second serve. And so again, when she was able to land a serve in this match, she was 41 of 56 in terms of points one on serve set number two in particular. The double faults going from seven in set number one to four in set number two. She made 75% of her first serve points uh, of her first serves in that second set. And, you know, again, that allowed her to be more aggressive on the second serve, uh, on her return of serve, allowed her to take the chances and be the aggressor and play the plus one tennis on her term sort of tennis that we all know Arena Sabalenka is capable of playing. Now, of course, you look for Sabalenka. Right now, she's sixth in the WTA uh, race, uh, WTA rankings, excuse me, and with a title this week, can get herself all the way back up to number three. But right now, Sabalenka, in terms of the points race, she's 15th in terms of points accumulated on the season. Now, she's fewer than 400 points behind eighth place Danielle Collins in terms of the race for the year-end finals. And again, to be fewer than 400 points behind, if she wins the 250 event this week that she's playing, Arena Sabalenka will now find herself in ninth place place and, you know, just over a hundred points behind of a Danielle Collins. She is not far removed from that year-end finals race. But again, in terms of the WTA Tour ranking, she is going to lose a massive chunk of points from the Wimbledon semifinal she reached last season and then has a ton of points to defend throughout the course of the North American hardcourt stretch was, you know, semifinalist last year in Canada, semifinalist at the U.S. Open as well. It, it, there's a lot for, you know, again, to have to defend two semifinals at Grand Slams and a semifinals at a 1,000-level event as well. If There's a world where certainly if Arena Sabalenka goes through one of those poor streaks uh, that she could find herself fall outside of the top 20, just given how thin the margins are right now in the WTA rankings. Of course, you look for Sabalenka, 16 and 12 right now overall on the season. She has absolutely steadied her play, though, and you look at the losses for her during the clay court season, final in Stuttgart before getting knocked out by Sviantec, 2 and 2. Everyone loses to Iga Sviantec. She then gets knocked out first round of Madrid by Amanda Nisimova in three sets. Nisimova right now, I believe, 12th in the WTA, excuse me, 13th in the WTA points race, back up to number 25 in the rankings. You look at Tennis Abstract's yearly ELO ratings, Amanda Nisimova, sixth overall in ELO rating this season. I don't think that's a bad loss by Sabalenka and the fact that Sabalenka finally beat Anisimova in three sets in the Rome quarterfinal the next week, indicative of the growth we saw from her throughout the course of this clay court season. Now, after winning that first set 6-4, it was a bad third round loss for her to Camilla Georgie. Uh, 
at Roland Garros. That said, you look at the draw for Sabalenka here, and again, what she has to defend during this grass court season. She lost first round Berlin last year, quarterfinals Eastbourne, then semifinals Wimbledon. She went two and two in the warm-up events in the lead-up to Wimbledon last season. Now, obviously, she's not going to be able to play Wimbledon this season, barring some drastic change. But you look for Arena Sabalenka, certainly an opportunity with her draw. She's next going to take on former Mississippi University of Mississippi standout NCAA singles champion Ariane Hartono. Uh, of course, that's the match. Sabalenka with her weapons, 94.5% favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, to reach the quarterfinals after that. If things stay according to seed, it would be a matchup with former doubles partner and a player she has had a lot of success against in number eight seed, Elisa Mertens. There's a very clear pathway for Arena Sabalenka to the semifinals in this tournament. And again, given how she has been steadier over the past, you know, or throughout the course of the clay court season. Her clay court season was significantly better than her hard court stretch. You look at who she lost to, Sviantek twice, Anissa Mova twice. You know, the loss to Georgie is the one that hurts at Roland Garros. That's the only bad loss. And even that loss was back to the trend we saw last season where she lost 19 of 22 matches in three sets in this match or had a stretch last season where that was the case. You know, again, two losses to Sviantek, two losses to Anissa both of which with were in three sets, and then the loss to Georgie. Sabalenka clearly improved throughout the course of her clay court season. Now, again, there's some urgency in the points she has to defend, so it's important she gets early wins. That was a strong opening performance from her. Had some serving issues in set number one, found her rhythm in set number two, six four six one victory. She advances, and again, draw fairly open for her in her quarter, although credit to Elisa Mertens, three-set victory over the all Always tricky Storm Sanders. You look for Elisa Mertens this season. Just another ho-humming sort of season for her. 14-10 and 10 overall has made quarterfinals in St. Petersburg, in Strasbourg. Round of 16s, of course, as always, at least third rounds at the majors. But round of 16 for her in Australia, in Roland Garros. I mean, again, that's why right now currently 29th in the rankings. But you look in the points race, Elisa Mertens currently 24th. Feels about right. Feels like that's her floor, her ceiling a little bit higher than that, but that she'll be somewhat ranked from 15 to 30 and always seated at the slams, always a difficult out match in, match out. Now, again, against Arena Sabalenka, you look for Elisa Mertens, former doubles partners, of course, as well in their careers. Sabalenka 6-2 and two against Mertens. She's won the last five matches as well, won the last four in straight sets. Now, they've only played once on grass. That was the 7-6 in the third victory for Sabalenka back in 2018, but Again, that's a good section of the draw for Sabalenka to gain some momentum, gain some confidence, and gain some much-needed points. Now, you look beneath her, we've already had a top eight seed knocked off. Only top eight seed to be eliminated thus far in the women's side, on the women's side in the Netherlands was number five seed Ludmilla Samsonova, knocked off by the always dangerous young American Anne Lee. And of course, for those of you who know Anne Lee's history, uh, was top, one of the top-ranked juniors in the world, junior Wimbledon runner-up back in 2017, how well she moves, how, you know, extraordinary she is with her balance. I mean, 
uh, it's not a shock to see her have success on the grass courts. Now, of course, she was injured throughout much of the clay court season, was only able to play one match during it. It was a first-round loss where she had to retire, of course, while up a set against Ali Van Utvink. Uh, to see her get a 3-4 and four win over the big-hitting Samsonova, Samsonova, of course, who last year ultimately won the biggest title of her career, first at the WTA level on the grass courts in Berlin. This is a massive victory for Ann Lee early here to establish a tone and reset things as we head towards the back half of the season. Again, for Ann Lee, who had built all of this momentum at the end of last year, making, you know, uh, the final and winning the title in Tenerife and, you know, making deep runs at a couple events at the end of the season. Ann Lee reached a career high of 44 at the start of this year. She's down to number 68 and, again, has some points to defend in the final months of the season, but you look for Ann Lee, what she was able to accomplish in this portion of last year's calendar went uh, two and two overall, excuse me, one and three overall during the grass court season, really didn't have her big run of success until again, finals and winning that title in Tenerife, then quarterfinals in Cormayor at the end of the year as well. You know, not a ton of points for def- to defend for Lee. She's got little pockets of things here and there. Again, a 125K quarterfinal in Chicago before the U.S. Open, but lost first round at the U.S. Open last year. Again, with her success in October of last year, in January of this season, where she made, of course, that semifinal in Melbourne prior to the start of the Australian Open. There's opportunity for Ann Lee to make a push here and to get the upset victory over Samsonova to have the opportunity to play a Kristen Flipkins, who is certainly a veteran of the WTA Tour, but is 10-9 and overall in her last 52 weeks, coming off of a three-set win in her first-round match. This is her first tournament since Miami earlier this season. The draw is now open for Ann Lee. On the flip side, of course, as fun as that Lee Flipkins match may be, the Rybakina Shelby Rogers round of 16 match. Rybakina three and one career head to head advantage over Rogers. I mean, that's just power tennis at its finest. Are you going to have the longest points? No, but the big serving, big forehands, and again, who's ever serving better on a given day? Great analysis, Alex. You really think the person who serves better is going to win? Yeah, I do. And Rybakina is absolutely a player, particularly given some of the absences that there is no Sabalenka in the draw. That there is, you know various players who will be missing on the women's side. You just feel like for Rabakin, if she's serving well with the power tennis she can play on this surface, if she can get some momentum going heading into Wimbledon, watch out. Now, of course, it's a big early test against the Shelby Rogers, but the winner of this match probably favored against the winner of Flipkins and Lee, and then you're placing potentially an arena Sabalenka if she gets to that point. And if she gets to that point, she would not have probably played one of those erratic matches that you know you're going to get at least once a tournament from Sabalenka. It's a fascinating top half of the draw. Rabakina, Sabalenka, two players you feel like if healthy, absolutely, well, I guess not Sabalenka, but Rabakina, if healthy, absolutely can make a top tier sort of dangerous push at Wimbledon. And Lee, one of those players who, if she ends up in the second week, you feel like she's that sort of tier of dark horse contender as we look towards the year third Grand Slam. But of course, elsewhere in the draw, Belinda Bencic, another player, in my opinion. And really, since the grass court season last year, Belinda Bencic has been on this role. You look for her now 
46 and 18 over her last 52 weeks. That's a 72% win percentage. Of course, you look for Belinda Bencic. That win percentage is the highest number for her over any 52-week stretch of her career. Back in 2019, she won 70% of her matches, but of course, up to 72% now, holding a career high 76.8% of the time, breaking 32.8%, which is about her career average, serving that better than ever before, you know, has established herself as a returner more than anything else, just finally healthy. And again, last year for her, wins, uh, makes the final in Berlin before getting knocked out by Samsonova and then ultimately goes on that run in Tokyo. Ever since then, she has been on a roll. I mean, you look for her, not only the 46 and 18, but against top 10 opponents, five and three overall. You look for her in the points race this year, Belinda Bencic currently sitting at 12th, uh, despite the fact that she's currently sitting at 17th right now in the WTA rankings. I mean, if you go watch her match against Ben Madison Brangle, first round victory, ultimately Benchich uh, with the victory, 6-4, 6-3. Brangle moves so well on the grass courts, changes direction well, keeps that ball low and flat. And yet it just felt like everything was on Belinda Benchich's terms. She was swinging freely. And yeah, there were some error, errors that you know piled up for her. But again, with how well she's moving right now, this is a fascinating tournament. Sabalenka, Bencic, Rabakina, all in that power hitter. Well, Bencic a little bit differently. She's more of a take the ball early on the rise, beat you to the spot than the overwhelming Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club of Sabalenka and Rabakina. But each three of those players feels like if each of them are going into Wimbledon with form, and again, I'm going to keep doing this, if Rabakina and Bencic are going into Wimbledon with form, they're on the short list, depending on where they sit in the draw. Absolutely players who can do some damage, of course. Again, the only seed knocked out thus far, number five seed Ludmilla Samsonova, who I'm not writing off as a dark horse candidate, but You've got Alexandrova versus Kalnina round in the round of 16. That's fun. Katie McNally, big victory for her, can absolutely knock off number four seed Tamara Zidancic tomorrow. And you look for McNally with her victory, currently sitting uh, at number 214 in the live singles rankings. Now, again, another victory from her tomorrow. Should she knock off Zidancic, she's back into the top 200. Should she somehow win the title this week? Let's just throw that scenario out there. She'd be back up to number 115 in the world. Crazier things have happened, certainly, to kick off a grass court season. And with her weapons, is there any reason to think Katie McNally can't throw a wrench into some sort of result? I think she can win tomorrow against Zidancic. Absolutely. Uh, again, Kudermatova still alive. She'll play Blinkova. Kalinskaya going to take on Bencic. Really good players across the board. This is a loaded women's draw in the Netherlands. Of course, the men's draw, equally loaded dare you say. And while some of the top seeds have yet to kick off their tournament, let's go over to the men's side in Netherlands now. Of course, as I mentioned earlier, top seeds here. Daniil Medvedev, Felix Ogier-Aliassime, each receiving a bye. All of the top four seeds on the men's side receiving a bye into the round of 16, of course. Those top four seeds, Daniil Medvedev, who will not be playing Wimbledon, but of course, Felix Ogier-Aliassime, who knocked off Alex Virov at last year's Wimbledon and, you know, has been exceptional uh, at slams of late, you know, was the only guy to take Rafa to a five fifth set in Paris. You look for Felix 12th in overall ELO this season, uh, 12th in total ELO across years right now. Felix seventh in the ATP points race, a career high ninth in the live rankings as well. Felix also has the fourth highest grass court specific ELO rating, according to our friends at Tennis Abstract. Again, grass court specific ELO, ELO measuring not necessarily, you know, what round you win in, but who you 
you play, what your score is against them, as opposed to the ATP rankings, which just value when you win and what round you win in. Felix right now has the fourth highest grass court ELO rating of any player on the ATP Tour. Now it goes Djokovic 1, Berrettini 2, Zverev 3, which is interesting, although there are a plethora of round of 16s and holla finals on his resume. Felix is fourth. Then you have Chilich at fifth, and Chilich is going to be a popular dark horse pick. Of course, Chilich, a former Wimbledon finalist, once we get towards making those sorts of picks and Grand Slam time. Then you've got Rublev six, Hercot seventh, Medvedev eight, somehow Alcaraz nine. I just think that's because he's just good at tennis, period. So they're just going to have him nine. Then Tsitsipas, 10. You get to Nadal, 11. Hatchinov, 12. Gofan's another good name at 13. Korda at 14. Absolutely a name to keep an eye on. Of course, we don't see a Korda in the draw here this week, but we do see, uh, again, as your number one seed, uh, Daniil Medvedev, your uh, number two seed here, FAA. They're now going to play talent Greek. Uh, FAA is going to play Greek Spore. Medvedev getting the winner of Duckworth or Jill Simone in his round of 16 match. Of course, again, top seeds Taylor Fritz. Fritz going to play the big serving Tim Van Richeven. Interesting, Van Richeven played Riley Opelka in the ITF Junior event held in Maryland at the Junior Tennis Champion Center, uh, and that was ultimately a match. Opelka out big serve, the 6-6-6-7 man from the Netherlands. Of course, you look for Van Richeven, though, over his last 52 weeks. You know, he reached a career high of 175 earlier this season, 36-25 and in his last 52. Again, a guy who's going to crank first serves at you. He holds 88.3% of the time, breaks just 15.3%. But again, this is a big serving grass court battle. First grass court match of the season is always tough. Ben Richvin at least has the one under his belt prior to playing Fritz. A little bit of an upset alert in that match as, of course, Taylor Fritz still working his way back from injury as well. Of course, good win and much needed win for Jensen Brooksby. Brooksby's going to have to defend all of his points coming up. The U.S. Open run, the City Open run, the uh, run to the Newport final as well. All that's coming up for Brooksby. The free ride's almost over. Of course, right now, Jensen's at 32 in the live rankings. That's a career high for him. But you look for Jensen in terms of points accumulated here in the 2022 season. Brooksby currently 59th. And again, you look for Brooksby overall on the year right now. Jensen Brooksby, who's going to face Hugo Gaston, who will certainly throw in the drop shots and make Brooksby work. But you look for Brooksby here in this 2022 season, 15-9 and overall. Now, that's still pretty good. And again, was able to make a round of 16 in in Rome, despite losing his first round match to Pablo Cuevas in Roland Garros. Uh, but now we're back onto his sorts of surfaces, right? Outdoor hard courts, these grass courts where his flat ball, how well he changes direction, how low he hits the ball, uh, you know, his return skill set will play to his advantage. Uh, Obviously, it's going to be fun just to see that skill set tested against ATP-level opponents, uh, certainly ATP weapons. Now, Gaston has different sort of weapons. He'll stress Brooksby's movement, uh, but that's going to be a fascinating match. And look, thus far, only one upset of any of the C— two upsets, excuse me. Although, you tell me, is Brandon Nakashima winning 6-7, 7-6, 7-6 over Tommy Paul in upset? You look for Nakashima now up to a new career high in the live rankings, currently number 55. You look for Nakashima on the season, uh, the 20-year-old American in terms of the points race. He currently sits at 93 overall. 
look, Nakashima's improved over his last week, uh, few weeks of play. Certainly, I would say it was a step forward for him in the clay court season, for him to make the third round of Roland Garros, for him to qualify in Rome and you know win a match in Barcelona. Wasn't exceptional, but was better. And then, of course, last week, he's able to get some grass court matches in at the Serbiton Challenger and, you know, beats a big server and Marc-Andre Hussler beats the always tricky Stefan Kozlov before getting knocked out four and six by Andy Murray. Look, this was just a steady performance on serve for Nakashima. He won 80% of his first serve points, 57% of the second serve, save for the five break points he faced, was just efficient uh, at every point of this match. And again, Tommy played well also. This was grass court, first strike, front foot tennis with some athleticism moved in. And credit to Brandon, who gets more and more comfortable every time I watch him play as a volleyer. Uh, you know, again, he's been the hare. Uh, he's been the tortoise to Corda and Brooksby's the hare, but that's a fun trio of Americans coming up. And again, for Nakashima, the Los Cabos final, the Atlanta final he reached last season. He's got to defend those points coming up this summer. No Wimbledon for him to make a big push at. Obviously would get into the main draw with his rankings unquestionably, but now has the opportunity to pick up ATP level points during this grass court season and just, again, give himself a little foundation to sit upon so he's not feeling all this pressure in Los Cabos in Atlanta. Of course, you look for Nakashima next by knocking out the seed. He gets another American in Sam Query. Query, when he's landing the first serve, the first strike, former Wimbledon semifinalist. The man's always dangerous on this surface. But again, Fun matchups across the board. Manorino back on a surface he loves in the grass courts. He faces Alex Diemenauer, who won the Eastbourne title last season. And, you know, again, the other upset, by the way, Emil Rusevori, who's moving so well, striking the forehand so well. And just listen to the pop that comes off his racket anytime he strikes the ball cleanly. Comes back from a set down to knock off the always tricky Botek Vandesen Schulp. Now he's going to take on the physical challenge that is Ilya Avashka. I'm telling you, Emil Rusevori is unequivocally in my mind a top 50 guy and it's not surprising to see him at a new career high live ranking of number 53 but perhaps more tellingly Emil Rusevori uh, in terms of points accumulated this season currently 40th in the ATP points race he's been a top 50 guy this season he can do it across surface now his weapons just translate uh, that was certainly a notable first round victory also notable impressive first round win from number five seed Karen Hatchnov ultimately earns a straight set victory over Nick Kier Light, as I like to call him, the big lefty in Alejandro Tabilo, hatched off a three and three victory. Just did a good job absorbing the first strike, returning the uh, hit, uh, hitting his return of serve cleanly, and just again how well he moves up his targets on the forehand, how well he moves the physicality in general, the strength of his first step on this surface. That's important. Hatchnov, another guy you always just keep in your yeah. He'll probably get to the round of sixteen in a best of five format, uh, depending on where he sits in the draw caliber of player that perennial much like Elisa Mertens is Karen Hatchinov the female Elisa Mertens that's one of my better comparisons in a while folks think about it linger uh, you know let it let it let it bubble let it simmer a little bit in your brain but add Al Gruskin put it on a poll is Karen Hatchinov the female Elisa Mertens obviously you all know where to find me if you think the answer to that question is yes but across the board again how healthy is Fritz and you know for Felix and Medvedev how close are they to top form obviously again for Medvedev how many points can he rack up given he won't be able to play at Wimbledon now he's going to be the world number one for a while given Novak Djokovic is going to lose Wimbledon title points, but look, I mean, 
Summer hardcore stretch is coming up for Daniil Medvedev. Obviously, he's got a ton of points to defend there. Anything he can put on his resume between now and then helpful. And you look at the points race right now, Daniil Medvedev's eighth, and he's only 110 points up on ninth place Novak Djokovic. That's not going to feel comfortable for Medvedev as he obviously looks to get back to another year-end finals, and I think we all expect to see him there. But that's enough on the Netherlands. I think 40 minutes on the action happening there. You guys all get the gist. Should be a very fun week of tennis, Uh, and if you are there, no excuse to not go attend that event in person. Of course, with that in mind, let's now move back to the women's side. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Talk about the WTA event happening in Nottingham this week. Certainly, I think from a top to bottom perspective, the Netherlands action with a Sabalenka and a Benchich and, you know, again, an Ann Lee and the Rabakinas of the world all the way through. I think that's the deeper draw. But you look at this action happening this week over in, uh, of course, Nottingham. Still plenty of good matches to keep our eye on. In particular, how about top seed Maria Sakkari? You know, again, there was a little bit of shakiness at the start of that third, uh, second set, but Maria Sakkari pretty comfortable. 6-2, 6-3 victory over Kami Osorio. Sakkari was just striking, uh, hitting the first strike and striking the serve in particular so well. Now, only made 53% of her first serves, but won 78% of those first serve points. And for the now eighth consecutive season, we see growth in the first serve win percentage of Maria Sakkari. Eight years ago, it was at 59.2%. Now, it's at 6 68.8%. You look for Maria Sakkari again. In terms of first serve points one, Sakkari uh, now amongst WTA top 50 players ranks 11th in that category. The average for top 50 players, average pl- uh, player wins 65.4% of her first serve points. Again, Maria Sakkari now up to 68.8%. She's turned that first serve into a weapon, and that allows her to play first strike tennis, and she moves that first strike forehand so well around the court, inside in, inside out. You know, again, when she was playing first strike, when she was able to land enough first serves, that was the biggest weapon on the court. Of course, then there's the physicality component to Maria Sakkari. She was able to absorb the angles, the slices, the drop shots that Kami Osorio threw at her and, look, again, was able to just tee off on any second serve Kami Osorio provided her in this match. Sakkari looked very much like the top 10 player, and right now she's currently number five. That she is, of course, Sakkari, 38-20 and 20 over the past 52 weeks, 21-10 and 10 here this season. Uh, you know, tough stretch, Miami-Stuttgart, where she lost to Haddad, Maya, and Siegemund, respectively, but, you know, Again, Carolina Mukova gets injured in her subsequent third-round Roland Garros match. If you actually watch that match, her victory over Sakari had more to do with Mukova than any poor play by Maria. You look at who Maria's lost to this season. Pagula, Kanteve, Sviantek twice, Jabour, Mukova, 
Kasatkinan Clay. Kasatkinan was ultimately a French Open semifinalist. Again, the Haddad Maya loss in Miami, tough, but it came right after she made the Indian Wells final. Siegemann to start the clay court season in Stuttgart. That was a tough one. Shelby Rogers to start the season in Australia, but that's second match of the year. You know, round of 16 Australia, second round Roland Garros. Slam results haven't been great, but finals in St. Petersburg, finals in Indian Wells, semifinals in Doha. I mean, there's a reason Maria Sakkari right now is fifth overall in the world. There's a reason she's sixth overall in the points race, trailing, you know, second place Own Jabour by 600 points, but trailing fourth place Coco Goff by, you know, 111 points. Sakri's got a stronger resume as anyone but probably Jabour right now in the world to consider herself the number two player in the world. And again, in terms of the points race this season, she's lost to the number one player, the number two player, the number three player in Pagula. The seven player is Daria Kasatkina. Like, she's only losing really to top eight sort of performers. Obviously, Mukova Sigamund being the exceptions, but. She could be streaky. As we know, again, the first serve almost let her down in this match, but she returns uh, her return of serve. You know, again, Kami didn't have the sort of weapon to hurt her with. Kami didn't serve particularly well enough to expose that sort of weakness in Sakari's play. She wasn't exceptional today. But she was solid, rock solid. And you saw that, you know, again, when she's landing first serves and the aggression she can play with, her ability to absorb an opponent's first strike, whether it be with creativity or power. There's obviously a lot to continue to love about Maria Sakkari, who does quietly continue to get better at the little things each and every season. Now, you know, again, there have been a bunch of good results, no signature result for Sakkari. She makes that Indian Wells final, but of course we all remember that as the beginning of the Iga Sviantek run. Big opportunity for Sakari as you look at her draw. Rebecca Marino next, then the winner of Haddad Maya and the qualifier Miyazaki. I mean, that's a wide open opportunity for Sakari to find herself in the semifinals. And even beyond that, the four and eight seeds, uh, Magda Lanetta, Shui Zhang, Martin Sova unseeded lingering in that section. Maria Sakari needs to make the final of Nottingham here to just put herself in a place from a confidence perspective, and she should make the final, by the way, uh, and to have us all gain confidence in her heading into Wimbledon. And by the way, she's the overwhelming favorite to capture this title by name, uh, you know, appeal value. You look number two seed Emma Raducanu, unfortunately forced to retire in her first round match down to Victoria Golovic, of course, for Raducanu. First full season of WTA tour level play. You could always expect a few nicks and bruises, but of course, it's unfortunate to see her continue to be nipped by that injury bug. Hopefully, we get her healthy for Wimbledon and then, of course, to defend her title in New York. I mean, outside of that, Tom Janovic, certainly. Ali Risk, always dangerous on the grass courts. And Ali Risk, probably the biggest threat from a name perspective to Maria Sakkari in terms of taking this title. That's why Sakkari's probably happy to see her on the other half of the draw. But that's what's going on for the women over in Nottingham. Of course, on the men's side, you've got ATP level event number two happening over in Stuttgart. I think there's more balance between the two men's uh, events happening this week than on the women's side. You look for the men's events here again in Stuttgart. Number one seed, Stefano Tsitsipas. Fascinating. First round matchup for him is he's going to take on qualifier and talented young up-and-comer Dom Stricker. Of course, we spoke with Dom Stricker when he won the Cleveland Challenger earlier this season on our Cracked Interviews podcast. You can go check that out now. I think that conversation still holds up. It was an impressive 6-7, 7-6, 7-6 victory for Stricker over Max Crest. 
Cressy uh, served for the matchup, 6-5. Stricker able to get that break back in the second set, win the tiebreaker, and then again, some fantastic first strike tennis in set number three, of course. Good matchups across the board. You just look at that top half. Stricker going to play Tsitsipas. Murray going to take on Sasha Bublik. Just two fun contracts. Again, that's a loaded section of the draw and you know how and how good a form is Andy Murray heading into Wimbledon this is the the slam where you feel like him making a sort of run to the second week and if he can get there playing fewer than 10 sets you know can he make some sort of move on a surface like grass where the points are a little bit shorter and his creativity his guile his experience you feel like that much more valuable there plus he has the home crowd behind him Keep an eye on Andy Murray's form, certainly if he wins that match against Bublik to get a look at a Tsitsipas or the big hitter, dangerous lefty Dom Stricker. That's popcorn sort of stuff. In the Nottingham top half quarter, of course, you've also got Hoopy Hercott, who's got, you know, needs to get some points on his resume with all the Wimbledon points that's going to come off of his record. He's going to take on Marton Fucevic in his section of the draw. Nick Kyrgios uh, as well. Kyrgios, a fun straight set win over the always talented young up-and-comer Yuri Lechechka in round one. I think we'd all enjoy a Hercots Kyrgios quarterfinal. Again, that top half of the draw is loaded. That's why I say there's a little bit more balance on the men's side this week. Of course, bottom half of the draw, you've already had a top eight seed upset. Arthur Rinderkanesh coming off of a challenger title victory makes the transition over uh, from the clay courts to the grass courts in less than three days and earns a victory over uh, number eight seed Ugo Umber. Of course, you've got the always dangerous big serving Oscar Ota going to kick, uh, going to play his round of 16 match to kick off the Stuttgart campaign of number four seed Denis Shapovalov. And then, look, bottom half of the draw is not too shabby either. Berrettini, Sinego, Struff, Albot. A lot of name value, a lot to enjoy in Stuttgart this week. Of course, we'll be keeping our eyes on all of the ATP and WTA level grass court action throughout the course of the week. With that in mind, want to quickly go through two other events before we wrap today's show. Let's start uh, on the women's side. One other event for us to keep an eye on is the WTA Valencia 125 event happening this week. And to me, the eye to keep an eye, the name to keep an eye on is obviously Jung Chin Wen. You look for Jung Chin Wen, the 19-year-old, up to a new career high, number 54 in the live rankings, number 39 right now is the 19-year-old in the points race. And, you know, look, we have been talking about her a bit on this show because we've seen her, you know, 46 and 16 in her last 52, and we're monitoring things like when she's playing and winning the 60K in Orlando at the start of this year when she was having success, you know, at, at the ITF level last year at 100Ks and, uh, you know, across the country, to be honest, or winning 60Ks as well. So we've seen more of that 46 and 16, but of course you look for her at the tour level, 23 and 12 for her in her last 52 weeks. She made the semifinal in Melbourne, won at the start of this season, qualifies in Australia, wins a round before getting knocked out by uh, Jung Chin, uh, before getting knocked excuse me, by Maria Sakkari. Of course, now, after beating a Halep and taking a set off of Sviantec in the Roland Garros fourth round, you know, she's not going to be a hidden commodity anymore. Yeah, she's the number three seed this week, but according to Tennis Abstract's projection, she's a 33.5%, the highest percentage favorite to capture the title. Of course, you've also got players like Parisas Diaz, Anastasia Potapova, Aranksa Rus, Vavara Gracheva. Always tough outs on the clay court event happening 
happening in Valencia. But look, if Jung Chin Wen, who in her first round match, 4-2 victory over Garcia, can capitalize on the momentum she built, you know, Jung Chin Wen's going to be in the top 50 very, very soon. In fact, she wins two more matches this week. I believe she will make her top 50 debut. I mean, again, 19 years old to be around the top 50. Let's look at the players under 20 years old right now in the WTA rankings, and or under 21 years old, excuse me, in the WTA rankings. Right now, Radakanu's the highest ranked, then Goff, who are 11-13, Fernandez 15, Anisimova 25, Tossin 51, Jung Chin Wen, 54, sixth highest ranked player under the age of 21 right now on the WTA Tour. I think we're all paying attention to the lefty after what she was able to do, uh, certainly in uh, the lefty, excuse me, the righty after what she was able to do uh, in in Paris. But again, the power tennis she's able to play, you wonder if players don't have the weapons that Sviantec does. Is she just now going to feel confident enough to clean their clocks? That's something to keep an eye on, certainly at the 125K in Valencia. Uh, the other tournament on the men's side, equivalent, I suppose, to keep an eye on, certainly if you're here in North America, is the ATP Challenger happening in Orlando. And, you know, we already saw J.J. Wolf fun first round win over Young American qualifier, another big lefty in Martin Dom. Now he's going to take on Brandon Holt and Wolf Holt, two of the best players in the 2019 college tennis season. Wolf, number one in the country for Ohio State. Holt, top 20 for the USC Trojans. Holt's been exceptional on the ITF tour throughout the course of this season. You look for Brandon Holt, who made a quarterfinal last week at the Little Rock Challenger. Holt's 32-7 and seven, uh, here this year, up to 350 in the rankings. That's a new career high for the 24-year-old, and just finally healthy and, you know, again, confident, comfortable, really high floor as a player. Just does a lot well, well-rounded game. You can tell he spent four years in college. You know, both he and Rinky Hijikata are just two players to watch, and Hijikata was immensely impressive today in a 6 3 7-6 victory over Ben Shelton, hit his spots extraordinarily well on the serve and just was able to absorb the first strike. Another guy with a really high floor and physically just moves so well around the court, so solid off both wings, able to turn defense into offense. He's 66-23 and 23 here in his last 52 weeks of play, multiple titles at the ITF record uh, level now up to 239 in the rankings, reached a re- career high of 232 in the live rankings in the middle of May. Again, ranking Hijikata spent two years at North Carolina, was able to grow a little bit, develop physically. Now already finds himself in the top 250 at 21 years old. That's the path you want to be on. That's why college tennis works, folks. You know, Rinky Hijikata, Brandon Holt, two testaments to that fact. Again, up and down the board, you see guys with college ties. Maciej Pekotic, a former Princeton standout. Emilio Gomez, USC, Kovacevic, Illinois, Eubanks, Georgia Tech. You know, Keegan Smith, qualifier, taking on number four seed. Jason Coopler, great to see Keegan healthy, playing uh, competitive tennis once again. Uh, Keegan, you know, again, comes through qualifying to get into the main draw. I actually think knocked out by Coopler today, two and two, but the UCLA standout who obviously had a terrible injury off the court uh, happened to him to see him healthy, playing again inside the top 400, a testament to his talent as a player. A lot of good stuff happening this week. Of course, we'll have that SoCal Pro Circuit action for you, covering some of the top ITF-level action. I know there's some action happening in East Lansing this week as well. We'll try to cover it all 
this week. As we know, it's our job here at Crack Rackets to keep you the most informed, best educated fans in the business. Of course, if you missed us putting a bow on the 2022 French Open, go check out yesterday's mini break podcast. I broke down two dominant championship performances, talked about where the finalists, Coco Goff, Casper Ruud, go from here as well. Of course, hoping to have David Kane back on the show to talk big picture takeaways from French Open, talk about the storylines we're monitoring as we head towards Wimbledon as well at some point this week. As soon as we know when it's going to happen, we'll get that announcement out to all of you. But with all that in mind, again, if you've missed out on anything that's happened of late in the tennis world, there's one location for you to catch up on everything. That's our website, CrackRackets.com. Of course, if you need the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, we are at CrackRackets. You want to message me directly, I am at Great Shot Pod or at A.L. Gruskin. Excuse me. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westa, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of this content possible. Shout out as well to our friends at Tennis Point, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15. With all that said, for my super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. And we'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.